morning, everybody. Privilege to be able to preach today. Uh, we're going to be continuing in the Sermon on the Mount, and we're going to be in chapter 6. So if you have your Bible, you're going to need it. So go ahead and get that open to Matthew chapter 6. Um, before we get started, you know, I got Mexico on my mind today uh, because in a week we'll be there. Um, actually, right around this time in a week, we'll be crossing over the border and heading to church at Pastor Roberto's church, uh, Iglesia Esperanza Viva. Uh, and so in your bulletin, I didn't mention this before, you should have uh, a little prayer card. Yeah, and it'll have uh, a beautiful face on it with a team member uh, and their specific prayer request. And so this is your missionary uh, for the next couple weeks. And this is kind of like a, a missionary baseball card. You, if you don't like your person, you can trade with somebody else. Um, but really, we just we want to encourage you to be praying for our team uh, because, man, we've, uh, can I just tell you, we've got a really generous church, but give us all the money in the world and send us to Mexico. If we are not covered in prayer, we're going to be doing nothing. Uh, and so we need your prayers. We covet your prayers. And so pray for your specific team member. If you want more, I think we've got some more printed somewhere. Uh, so if you'd like a few team members, you can grab those after the service. Um, and if you'd like to know a little bit more about the trip, if you haven't heard much about it, you're just kind of curious what it's shaping out to look like, after this service at about 9.30, uh, we're, I'm, I'm just going to set up here and I'm going to start talking. So if you're in the room, I'm going to talk over you. Uh, and I'm just going to tell anybody who's interested a little bit about the Mexico trip, watch a little video, uh, and you'll be able to see how you can be praying, not just for your individual person, but for the team at large. Because I have some, uh, some concerns that are weighing on me, and I would just love for uh, your prayer to cover us as well. Uh, and so, like I said, I've got Mexico on my mind. And uh, I've loaded up some photos on, uh, on my slides from uh, some of my first trips. And so uh, we, maybe we could just kind of like, see, look at that guy. Isn't that scary? Wow. Yeah, yeah that, that's uh, Pastor Roberto's oldest son, Josue. Uh, I think I was in 10th or 11th grade at the time. And so this is over a decade ago. That's crazy. So let's, let's see the next one. Oh, where'd they go? Oh, there we go. Okay, so this is the sports court where we play soccer. Uh, let's go to the next photo. Oh, everybody say, aw, one, two, three, aw, I mean a little baby. Okay, next slide. And here I am leading worship. Uh, and so this is kind of little bits and pieces of uh, my original Mexico trip experience in the same place, at the same church, with the same pastor that our team is going down to serve. So I've had a 12-year a relationship with Pastor Roberto and his church, and so I'm so excited to get down there. But really, as I look at these photos and I think back on the trips that I went on when I was in high school, you know, in the moment, photos like this, uh, photos of me holding the little Mexican baby that needed to be held, I'm so proud to show my family, to post these photos on social media and get some, some likes, make them my profile picture, and tell the people that supported me how amazing of an experience it was and how, how wonderful it was and how, how many people we blessed, how many people came to the Lord. Uh, but now that I'm over a decade removed, honestly, I can't help but as, as we look through those photos, just kind of feel a little bit embarrassed, not because of the haircut, um, <laughs> But because even though I went down there in God's name, I wasn't serving for God's glory. 
Now, mind you, the first trip I went on in 2010, I wasn't even born again yet. I thought I was. But I bore no fruit of Christ-likeness until the summer after. So my second Mexico trip, I had only been a a true born-again believer for a month. And a year later, a year and a month old. And so I look back on these photos, and they kind of bring up this embarrassment and this shame because I, I was doing all of these things in God's name but really it was for my own praise, right? It's not, not because we did bad things, like we weren't stealing money from people, <laughs> like we weren't assaulting people in the streets. We were doing good things, weren't we? We were, going, we were leading worship, we were preaching the gospel, sharing testimony, running services at night to bring more people to the Lord and to the church. It's not that we were doing bad things. I, I, my embarrassment comes from me doing good things with a bad heart. I wanted praise, that didn't belong to me. And more than embarrassment, even now as I've been studying the passage we're going to be in today, I really feel grieved as I look at these photos. And, you know, yesterday as I I was looking for these photos, I had to do the deep dive into Facebook history and like just, I saw all the pictures and I remember all of the times and I just feel grieved about them. Because all these years later, I've realized That all the likes that I got on Facebook, all the pats on the back and the attaboys, all of the praise that I had sought from people was the entirety of my reward for what I did down there. It was the entirety of it. See, no one stole my reward from God. See, no one robs you of treasure in heaven except for you. See, I forfeited treasures in heaven, blessing from God because of a selfish desire that was in me to take for myself what solely belongs to God. And this morning, I want to show you what Jesus says is not only right to do, but how to do it rightly and to receive a right reward. So uh, turn with me, if you're not already there, to Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. Let's read. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So Jesus makes this shift in his sermon. Uh, He's talked about uh, the way of the kingdom, what it looks like. Uh, He's talked about how uh, his kingdom and his law of love fulfills the Old Testament law. So it's not just about not doing bad things, but about going above and beyond. And here Jesus shifts in his sermon and now begins to talk about really acts of religion for the next 20-something verses. Now, I know there's that common saying, uh, Christianity isn't a religion, it's a relationship. And that's halfway true because it's also a religion. It's a religion and a relationship because what is religion? Religion is a particular belief in a particular God with particular values and a particular way that he commands worship. Isn't that what we have? We believe in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We have specific values and morals that we hold dear to be true, and there is a specific way in which God desires to be worshiped, and Jesus covers three of them 
in the next 20-something verses in giving to the needy, in prayer, that's next week, and in fasting, that's in two weeks. And so Jesus shifts in his sermon to acts of religion. How is it that we honor God and worship God? And he begins with a warning. He uses the word, beware. Beware of what? Of doing righteous things in order to be seen. Now the word righteous, it just means divinely approved. So it's like God sees us fasting. God sees us in prayer. God sees us giving to those who are in need. And it's like he looks at it and he goes, yeah, more of that. Do that. So these are not bad things that God is commanding us not to do. These are right things that he says approved. This is what I want to see in my people, in the citizens of my kingdom. This is the way that I want them to worship me. And so righteous, it just means divinely approved things. So in what way do we need to beware, be careful of doing divinely approved things? Jesus is saying to be careful when we do right things that will garner praise because you and I all have a sneaky desire in us to receive the praise that God alone deserves. There's a reason. I think Jesus uses the word beware for a reason, because this sneaky desire in us is better than you think it is. It's more deceptive. It's more cunning than you think it is. It is so easily popping up and robbing us of the reward that God has for us in heaven. This desire to receive the praise that God deserves, it goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 3. It's deep in our flesh that we want what God alone deserves. And so Jesus says, beware, be careful. Not of doing right things, but of doing right things the wrong way. And that's, that's really what his like, sub-sermon here in the Sermon on the Mount is about. It's not about not doing bad or wicked things. It's about doing good things the wrong way. And the warning that Jesus gives us here is that there is a way to do things that are good in God's name that remove his blessing from us. And so in this first verse, uh, where it says, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. What Jesus is doing here is he is unveiling that human beings, you and I, we have a very bad habit of taking something that God has said is good, something that brings him glory and praise, and making it about ourselves. And we make common what is holy. We profane that which is righteous. We take a beautiful act of service or mercy or intercession, and we make it into what I think Jesus would say is a show. It's just a performance. As a matter of fact, if you look in verse 1, when you see these words, to be seen, those three words are actually just one word in Greek. And it is the Greek word from which we derive our word, theater. And then a little further down into the passage when Jesus uses the word hypocrites, it is the Greek word hypocrites, which is the word that Greeks used for what? A stage actor. 
Someone who wore a mask and played a character. The Greeks who played in stage, it was only men. So if you had to play a, a woman's part, you put on a mask that looked like a woman. And they had emotions carved into their face that would express these emotions and kind of uh, personalize these characters into, into who they were supposed to be conveying. And so what Jesus is saying here is that I don't want your performance. I don't want your acting. I'm not interested. God hates the theater. And guess what? Our big idea today is that God hates all of our shows. He doesn't want them. He's not interested in performance. He's interested in the person that's underneath the mask. He doesn't want us to just do right things. He wants us to have a right heart. Doing good in God's name for personal gain will ultimately leave you at a loss. Because when I look in Scripture, besides an idolater, there may be nothing that God hates more than a disingenuous heart. Righteousness made into a production. Holiness made into theater. He's not interested. It doesn't honor him. And in fact, it robs you of a heavenly reward. And so as we get into verse 2, Jesus begins to uh, break out of just righteous things into specific, right, divinely approved things. And over the next three weeks, you're going to be covering, uh, this week is giving to the needy, and the next week is prayer, and then the week after is fasting, and then he just kind of wraps it all up by saying, store up for yourself treasures in heaven. Uh, Now he begins kind of pinpointing different religious actions By beginning with this, he says, thus, when you give to the needy, that's the beginning of verse two. Now, giving to the needy in this verse, the Greek word is actually kind of bigger than like just on its face generosity, because you can be generous to anybody, can't you? Man, there's people who give donations to rich people. I don't understand it. Like, I need a donation. Like, Jeff Bezos doesn't need no donation. Uh, But people, people can be generous to anybody. What this word means is bigger than generosity. What it means is to show mercy, which is different. To show mercy is to see someone in their poverty, in their lack, in their need, in their loss, and to meet them there, to to almost stoop down, to elevate them, to pick them up in such a way that they may never be able to pay you back for it. So this isn't just generosity. This morning we're talking about mercy, to meet somebody in their lowliest state. And and I've been on the receiving end of mercy in in every church I've ever been in, but I got to say, especially in this one, do you guys know that we have an incredibly generous church? Because if you don't know, now you do. And I'll share a story with you. So I didn't prepare you for this, Deb. Deb was our realtor, uh, Deb Youngbluth, when we, and So if you have any business, if you want to buy a house, she's the person to go to. Just shameless plug for you, Deb. I love you. Um, When we got offered the job, we had about 40 or 50 days to find a place to live in Estes Park, which I don't know if you know about Estes Park, but that's kind of hard. And gosh, Deb was just our boots on the ground while we were in California, just looking at homes on Realtor.com and Zillow. And she was checking out different homes for us. I mean, she was praying for us, crying for us, according to her husband. 
She didn't want us to move into the home that we moved into. Uh, but like, there, I remember this one cabin that I, I was like, hey, Deb, I'm interested in this cabin. Would you go check it out for us? Uh, and we get on the phone call after she checks it out, and she says, Jesse, you're not buying that house. The floor is squishy. Um, and so, like, this is just the kind of person that Deb is. And so she, she found us our house, did all of the work, didn't ask for anything uh, as repayment. And so I remember June 29th, I closed on my house. Uh, and I drove my car down on Elkhorn. There's a little realtor, real estate office there, or escrow or something like that. Um, and, and so Deb was there and another woman was there and, and we closed on my house. And then I had to run to Denver International Airport to pick up uh, Angelina and Reagan and my mother-in-law. Uh, drove back uh, and the U-Hauls parked in front of my little house. Uh, and there's got to be like 20 or 25 people there. Uh, got a couple people mowing the lawn. Uh, we got people inside like scrubbing my windows and like scrubbing my floor and sweeping and bringing boxes inside and hauling a washer out, you know, so there's just hands everywhere doing work. And, and I go into the backyard and what do I see but my realtor in my crawl space shoveling out garbage. And she never asked for anything or any repayment. She was just showing us mercy, meeting us in a place where we could probably never pay her back for what she's done for us. That's mercy. And I want you to, I don't want you to miss this in verse two. There's an expectation here. What is the expectation? When you give. When you show mercy, there is an expectation of the people of God that we would be merciful people. That giving to the needy, did you know this? Giving to the needy, showing mercy has always been a mark of the people of God. Before Jesus and after Jesus, generosity and mercy has always marked the people of God. In the Old Testament, if uh, you had an indentured servant and he had worked off uh, his debt, and he was set free, uh, Israelites were commanded, send him off with the fattened calf. Send him off with, with good things to build his life upon. And so it's not like this servant who had just uh, kind of been an indentured slave for, for years was just sent off with nothing now, but they were sent off with a blessing. And what were vineyard owners commanded of in the Old Testament? God said, if you have a vineyard and your crops fall on the ground, don't pick them up. Why? So that the sojourner can pick it up, so that the poor can pick it up and eat. So the people of God have always been a generous, merciful people. We've always been commanded to show mercy. Did you know that the church has been and will always be the most generous, merciful people that has ever existed? Christians were the first to ever build orphanages for children that had no parents. Christians were the first to build hospitals to take care of those with sickness and disease. The church, Christians, in first century Rome, uh, Romans would, if their wife bore a daughter and they didn't want that daughter, they would just throw her out on the street. Just a tiny, innocent baby because she was born a woman. Y'all realize that, you can send me an email later this week, the church is the first feminist organization to ever exist. Nobody has done more for women in history than the people of God to elevate them to their right place as image bearers of God. 
Nobody ever in history has done it. Women have always been treated as property, as less than, and the people of God in first century Rome would see these baby girls and take them into their homes as their own children. The church has always been the most merciful, generous institution in history. Nobody gives to charity more, serves the most as a volunteer, or adopts more children than the people of God. The people of God have always been marked by mercy. But the question that I need to ask you is why is that? Why are the people of God so generous? And I want to read you one passage which should give you a couple reasons as to why. Why are citizens of the kingdom of God expected to give? Why, why does it seem like mercy is just kind of in the DNA of the church? First Peter chapter 1 verses 3 through 5. Blessed be, that just means praise. This is, a, this, is a, this is a song. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed at the last time. Isn't that a great way to start out Sunday morning? Why are Christians, why is the church the most merciful people group in all of human history? Because we have been shown mercy. Why are we generous? Because God has been generous towards us. Did you hear it? That God in his great mercy has caused us to be born again. God saw us where? In our humblest state in our lack, in our sin, in our depravity, in walking as people who are dead spiritually. And what did he do? He met us where we were when we could never pay him back for what he's done. Isn't that the mercy of the cross? Is that Jesus met us in a way that we could never pay him back. So why are Christians generous? Why do we show mercy? We show mercy because God has shown us mercy. We show mercy out of the mercy that has been given to us, has been lavished upon us. Every act of generosity then for the Christian should reflect the ultimate generosity of our Father who has shown us mercy in His Son. Let me show you what happens when we do this the wrong way. Uh, I'm a millennial, so I don't carry cash. Does anybody have like a 10 or, or 20? Just something. I promise you'll get it back. I promise. I see you reaching. Yeah, uh, that's perfect. Fantastic. All right, so I got 100 bucks here. Cody, can I embarrass Cody for a second? Cody, come up here. I need you. Everybody give a round for Cody. All right, yeah. Thanks, Cody. All right, so I, I've just received 100 bucks from Jeffrey. I promise you'll get it back. Actually, you stand down there. You're too tall. Um, <laughs> Cody, man, I was just, I was thinking about you, man. And, you know, I just, I don't have a lot, but I just wanted to give you this $100 bill. I, matter of fact, where's my phone? I got to live stream this. I just, I wanted, I wanted to sh give this money to you out of just the kindness. Do you see what's happening here? I've been given $100 to give to somebody else. 
and all I'm doing is talking about myself. Now, watch how this could be different. Cody, man, I just, I wanted to get, I wanted to give you this $100 bill, man, because God has been generous to me, and I want you to know that God has been thinking about you. He put you on my heart to give this to you, so this is not my money. This is God's money, and I just wanted to be obedient to God because God just wanted to bless you, and so I just want to give this to you. Here, I'm, I'm going to take this back now, so <laughs> thank you, Cody. All right, everybody give Cody a round of applause. Thanks, Jeffrey. It's not crisp anymore. Okay, so do you, do you guys see what happened there? In one instance, I'm, I'm taking money that doesn't even belong to me, and I'm giving it to somebody else for my own praise. Going on Facebook Live, or like taking a TikTok for, for you younger generation, like I'm, I'm going on Snapchat and showing people what a generous person I am. But do you guys realize that every good thing that you have to give doesn't even belong to you anyways? It's on loan. You haven't been given money to spend. You've been given money to steward, which stewardship is basically like you're the middleman, like you're taking care of something that belongs to somebody else. So it wasn't my $100, it was Jeffrey's $100. It was his money to give, and he's just entrusted it to me to give to somebody else. So who should get the praise? It's not me, I'm just the middleman. So realize our acts of mercy, we're just the middleman. We're, we're just the stand in between, between God and man. Every good thing that you have to offer is from God first and ultimately belongs to him. When we show mercy and meet people in their greatest needs, but with a heart that wants the praise, you're not robbing the person in front of you. No, Cody still would have walked away with $100 if this was real. Doesn't rob him. It robs God. When we seek praise, when we seek attention for our acts of mercy, giving to other people what God has given to us to steward, you're not robbing the person in front of you, you're robbing God who gave you the resources to bless other people, who has been merciful to you so that you could be merciful to others. And this is why Jesus says, the rest of verse 2, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. So why do we not seek the praise of man when we give, when we're generous, when we show mercy and meet people in their greatest need? It's because the praise doesn't belong to you. It belongs to him. It's not yours to take. See, here's what happens when we let our guard down and we stop bewaring of doing righteous things in order to be seen by other people is that sneaky desire just begins to pop up and we begin to do some really dumb stuff. I mean, Jesus said, I mean, how dumb is this that you would sound a trumpet in the street so that people know that you're being merciful to somebody else? How ridiculous is that? Look foolish. We do dumb things when our sneaky desire to seek praise from man begins to rear its head. And here's some proofs that something for you to self-check in yourself that your mercy may not be earnest. It might not be genuinely for God, even though it's in God's name. Number one, you tell people who don't need to know. You seek attention beyond what you would get organically. You feel jealous when someone else is praised. You feel a competitive urge to do things that others are doing in the same way that they're doing them. 
Like I've, I've seen the competition in churches before. I was leading worship one time. And there was like a couple ladies in the room and they're singing real loud. And then another lady walked in the room and she, I like, I think she thought it was a challenge. Because <laughs> all of a sudden they're singing, trying to sing louder than each other. And it's just like, I mean, these like five women were louder than the rest of the 60 people in the church. Because it's like they were competing with each other for who was going to be the loudest worshiper. I mean, you realize how easy it is to get caught up in the comparison game? It's like, oh, this person gave this much. Oh, I should do that too. Oh, this person's worshiping like that. Me too. It's like, but God doesn't want your show. He wants worshipers who worship in spirit and in truth. That's the important part, in truth. He wants genuine acts of praise. He wants genuine mercy and genuine prayer. He doesn't want your show. He doesn't want your theater. He doesn't want your production. He wants you. Now, there's something that I want to talk about this morning for just a second that the Bible affirms that typically conservative churches who are, you know, maybe a little bit more Baptist, um, we don't like to talk about. And I don't know if it's just an overreaction to the prosperity gospel or not, but it's like a lot of more conservative churches just kind of live in the, in the poverty gospel. That, that God just wants us to be poor and sick all the time, like God doesn't want to heal us. And I just think that's like an unhealthy overreaction to the prosperity gospel. There's, there's balance, like God wants to bless his children. That doesn't mean it's always financial. But here's something that the Bible affirms, that there is reward for doing right things. There is. This is what Jesus says. When you do good, right things with the right heart, your father will reward you. When you do right things with the wrong heart, you'll still get a reward. It's just going to be from people and it's not going to last. That's what he says. So there is a reward for doing righteous things. God does bless his people for doing right things with a right heart. And what Jesus says here is that if you want the praise of man, then you can have it. If that's what you're seeking, that's what you can have, but it's all you're going to get. Now, you may think, well, that kind of seems unfair. Why can't I do right things and just get a reward from, from man? Like pats on the back and attaboy, they, those feel pretty good. There's something good about affirmation and receiving affirmation from other people. Why can't I receive it from God and man? Why can't there be a little bit of both? Well, let me explain it to you this way. Um, I do stuff here, right? Lead worship, try to fix tech problems uh, during the week, I, do the social media. I'm trying to step into praise place and youth ministry. And so, I, you know, I, th I think I do a lot for this church, and I think I do a pretty good job, and you might disagree, and that's fine. Um, but, but I, you know, I, I do a lot for the kingdom, right, through this church. Now, if I took myself and I drove down to Mountain View Bible Fellowship, and I walked in the door, and I went up to the office, and I said, hey, and they say, hey, and I say, I'm here for my paycheck, you know, they might look at me a little bit funny. Why? Because I don't work for them. So why would they give me a paycheck? It doesn't make any sense. I work for the Christian Church of Estes Park proudly, and this is the place that I get my paycheck from. You get a reward from the person that you work for. And so if you're working for the praise of man, that's where your reward is going to come from, and rightly so, because that's who you're working for. You're working for their praise that fades. See, showing mercy yields a reward from the one you seek it from. That's a reality you need to understand. 
is that when you, if you worship, you're lifting up your hands, but you're doing it to be seen and praised by others. That's your reward, and that's the fullness of it. But if you worship in spirit and in truth, God promises, hey, that's divinely approved. Yes, more of that. I've got a blessing for you in that. Can I just tell you, your father is generous. He's kind. He wants to bless you. Like, there is a father in heaven who seeks to bless you if we would just let him. But the sad thing is that some people live for this. They, they live for this human praise, for applause from people. People live and give to have their name on a park bench. People work so that they can have a conference room named after them at the company that they work at. I mean, what, what's the greatest honor in football? Make it into Canton. Hall of Fame, get a bust made of you. Hopefully it doesn't look like Ronaldo's. I mean, if you're a sports person, you understand that. Some people live for the praise of man. And that praise is fading and fault. It's weak. It's a shadow of what the Father can give you. People live for this because they don't understand, and maybe you don't understand this morning, that your Father who is in heaven desires to give and he wants to bless you in ways that you can't even bend your mind around if we would do right things for the right reasons, namely the glory of God. And so that was Jesus's negative command. Don't, don't do it this way like the hypocrites who just draw attention to themselves, but rather do it this way. When you do give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. Now, when I read this, I was confused. Because when I think back to a month ago, we read a certain passage straight from the mouth of Jesus, Matthew 5.16. Does anybody remember what that says? Therefore, let your light shine before men, so that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. So it's like we get to this passage and Jesus is saying, secret, be secret, secretive, be a super spy about your good thing. Like, it's like, okay, Jesus, well, well, like, which is it? Like, am I supposed to let my light shine before men or am I supposed to kind of hide it? Like, am I supposed to keep it a secret or am I supposed to show, like, like is there this tension here? So this passage and these verses have been abused by people. There are people who would be horrified coming to our church because they see us passing an offering plate and they can see other people dropping envelopes in. There are people who would be horrified at our prayer time where you have open air to pray out loud because they think, well, Jesus said, when you pray, get in your closet. Keep a, matter of fact, I had a guy tell me this. He said, don't ask me how you can pray for me. Just pray for me. I don't need to know that you're praying for me. Keep your prayer in secret. And I just don't think that's what Jesus is saying here. It's not about the action. It's about the motive. It's always been about the heart. This is not a command to keep your giving a secret from others. So who are we keeping secrets from? From you. This passage is about keeping secrets from your own pride and ego. See, the praise of man 
is a good and right thing for God to receive. He deserves it. What, right? what do they sing in Revelation? Worthy are you, Lord, to receive all glory and honor. Right? It's right and good for God to receive worship. But how does our ego grow? How does our sense of pridefulness grow? By being praised by man. The praise of man is a good and right thing for God, but it is poison for you and me. It tempts us to believe that we are what we are not, that we have things that we have not, and that we deserve things that we do not. This is what pride and ego does to us. It poisons us to believing things that are untrue about ourselves. And so the praise of man is something, what Jesus is saying here is something that you need to protect yourself from, right? Because Jesus doesn't say, don't let your neighbor know what your right and your left hand are doing. He says, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. It's about keeping a secret from yourself. And this is what I would suggest to you this morning is that Christians must master keeping secrets from themselves. We need to give a conscious effort to protecting ourselves from seeking praise from people because we'll do two things. We will rob God of the praise he deserves and we will rob ourselves of the reward that he wants to give us. See, the holiest form of mercy is mercy that you forget that you've done because it's just everyday life. Walking with Jesus, showing mercy out of the riches of the mercy that God has shown to you. It's just supposed to be normal everyday life. We meet somebody in their need, and we go on with our day. We don't attract more attention to ourselves. We don't tell people that don't need to know. And so the question really needs to be asked then as, as we begin to get close to the end of the sermon is, is how can you show mercy in secret from yourself? Because let's be honest, like this is just a weird saying. My left hand and my right hand don't have a mind. They don't have eyes. They don't have ears. Like I have one mind, and they control my left and right hand. So how do I keep my giving with my right hand a secret from my left? This requires some introspection, but today, even as we approach our time of giving, to ask yourself a couple questions. How will God be glorified in this? Because when we do these religious acts, mercy, praying, fasting, all of it should be aimed at the glory of God. All of it. So how will be God be glorified in this? Number two, is there a better way I could do this? You don't always need an audience. If you know that you have a problem with pride and ego and seeking praise from others, then maybe it looks like doing things a little bit different. Finding a way to give or to show mercy with a smaller audience. See, if we can bring ourselves to show mercy without a mask on, without an ulterior motive of self-praise, then we have a promise that Jesus gives us here, that God, who sees you keeping a secret from yourself, will reward you. And let me tell you, no one gives better gifts like the one who owns everything we could ever want or ask for. See, here's the reality, churches. As we close and get ready to sing our last song together. So you can seek your reward 
from man. And you'll get it. When you show mercy, when you meet somebody on the side of the road and bring them some McDonald's, if, if you want your praise from man and you, you know, live stream that or call up all your friends and tell them how awesome you are after, that praise you receive from them, that's your reward. That's your paycheck. That's your paycheck for doing a righteous thing. But if you seek your reward from God, it is God who will reward you out of his own generosity, out of the abundance of his resources. It is God who will reward you. See, man may reward you too. That, that's the beautiful thing about doing things in God's name for God's glory, is that there, there's no ban on man affirming you when you do things for God in his name and for his glory. It's almost like a little bonus. It's not guaranteed. If you do things in secret and you do things humbly without seeking attention and praise from other people, God will for sure reward you and man may not notice and that's okay. Man may notice and they may give you praise. God hasn't banned them from doing that. The reality is that when you give in secret, when you do it with a humble heart that seeks to praise God, man may reward you too but what I would suggest to you this morning is that you'll find that God's delight in you and his blessing over your life will still be enough. Let me pray for us and then we're going to go through some next steps together. Father, I thank you for the riches of your love and mercy towards us. I ask that our lives would be so tethered to the cross, to your generosity, that we are giving. And in a way, let our giving be praise to you. Let it be glory to your name. Father, I just want to pray this scripture over our church. Father, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named that according to the riches of your glory, you may grant this church to be strengthened with power through his spirit in their inner being, so that Christ may dwell in us, in our hearts, through faith, that we, being rooted and grounded in love, would have the strength to comprehend with all of the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and for us to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that we may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to you who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to you be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Next steps this week, got a couple simple ones. Read Ephesians 1 and 2. Praise God for his mercy even now as we sing this last song together. Um, but I want to focus on uh, two of my next steps. Number one is to give to Pastor Roberto. I've got Mexico on my mind. I have Pastor Roberto on my mind. And one of the things that that brother needs is a vacation. He's one of those missionaries, one of those pastors that is just like pedal to the metal all the time always willing to give for the sake of his flock, sacrifice for the sake of his flock. Um, and so 
one of the things I want to do today, aside from like the special missions giving and our regular offering and things like that, is I want to just kind of put a, a feeler to all of you that I just really want to bless Pastor Roberto and his wife Betty with a vacation. Uh, since the time they got married, I think over 20 years ago now, um, they have always wanted to go on a cruise. And in 2019, they finally had enough money to go on this cruise and then COVID hit and their church needed help. Uh, and he shared with us last time we visited that all of the money that they had saved to finally take this cruise that they've been dreaming about for a long time, uh, they poured into the church as it had need. Uh, and so uh, I would just like to put that before you. Um, that brother, needs a, he needs a cruise. That, that is how this church could show him mercy. Besides us going down and serving his church next week, um, Pastor Roberto and Betty, uh, they could just use a break because they pour out so much. Um, and the last time I saw them, it just broke my heart because you could just see how tired they were. And so I just want to put that feeler out to you. If you'd like to give specifically to Pastor Roberto, I just want to encourage you, write for Pastor Roberto on the giving envelope so that we can give it directly to him. We want to make sure that that brother gets fed and filled up uh, to the brim again. And so we were, I really want to bless Pastor Roberto in that way. He's actually, we took him on as one of our missionaries, which is cool. Um, and so I just want to bless him. And so if, if you feel that compulsion in your heart to bless them too, just ask that. You, have, you don't have to give much. You give just five bucks, 10 bucks, 20 bucks, whatever. But we just want to get him on the water with his wife to rest and be refreshed. And the second thing I want to encourage you to do, and I'll just touch on this because we've been talking about it for the past 40 minutes, is to keep a secret. Keep a secret from yourself. When you give today, when you show mercy, resolve in your heart. This is an expectation of you when you give to the needy, when you show mercy. So resolve in your heart that this week, in some way, shape, or form, it doesn't have to be right now, you're going to show mercy to somebody. You, you know somebody's need. You know some, there's somebody in your life right now that has a need. Resolve in you to be generous, to show mercy, and to do it almost like you're keeping a secret from yourself. Protect yourself. Hide yourself. Beware of practicing your righteousness in order to be seen, but rather... Let us do it in spirit and in truth. Let me just pray for you briefly. Father, I thank you for this church. Thank you for this time we've been able to spend in your word. And I ask that you would give eyes to see what is broken in us. When we desire praise, Lord, it's, it's more deceitful than we think. Help us to see it. Help us to spot it. Help us to protect ourselves from it. Lord, that you would receive the fullness of the praise that you alone deserve. And Lord, that we would just be a church full of mirrors, reflecting people's gaze up to you. That you would be magnified, that you would be glorified, that you would be worshipped. It's in Jesus' name we pray these things.